1: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. EJ, we got a special beer on the podcast tonight. We're sitting at
2: four and one. How are you doing? I'm doing tremendous. It's a rarity that we get to share the same beer on the same podcast. And this week, yeah, we've got something that somebody sent to us, which is always, I don't know about you, but. There is nothing better than going to the mailbox and coming away with some beer. Like, that is the best feeling ever.
1: An unbelievably kind gesture gesture from a fan, I guess we would say. Bob uh, has sent us both the same beer that he has talked up on Twitter. We are very excited to share this uh, coast, to, <laughs> coast to Midwest, I guess, here <laughs> on the podcast. And we're really excited. It is um, the Three Floyds is the brewery. Uh, very cool cap. It's got like a green and purple uh, swirl with a bunch of hands on it. It's just a cool cap. I'm keeping the cap for sure. This is very cool cap. Uh, very cool brewery. They've got some pretty famous beers, actually. When I started looking into them, that they have some beers that I've heard of um, that I've wanted to try. So this one is called the Molten Mirrors. So we are uh, good to go on this one. It is a Saison-style ale with peach juice and natural peach flavor, and i've already opened it and i've poured half of it for my wife because she was really excited about this one and
2: wanted to try it and so i'm already poured i don't know if you've opened yours yet i did i already poured to let it come up to room temperature a little bit because i had it chilled in my fridges a little bit little bit colder than you like to serve beer typically so i wanted to pour it i wanted to see how it looked in the light um, had a couple of sips as we were doing our little pre-podcast so I thought him, I saw but... you stealing sips, and I was I like, did. no, he couldn't be. No, he, he totally is. He is he is breaking protocol as you take yours. Um, but, no, it's uh, it's a heck of a thing. We'll talk about it at the end. But, uh, again, huge props out to Bob. And um, he doesn't know it yet, but we should probably surprise him with the news that we're going to send him a Bears over Beers t-shirt. So, Bob, I'll be reaching out to you for your size, and we'll get you a Bears over Beers t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the shipping bill, what it costs to actually send beer. And I know you Holy did it to moly. JB as well. So uh, you more than earned your t-shirt. Um, but no, thank you very much. It was super kind of you to reach out. And we are thrilled. It's, it's it's like JB said, it's a very quality brewery. It's a fun beer to have. So we'll have our report at the end of this. But. In the meantime, we got lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, Four and one is is fun. Again, we got to do the wrap-up pod after the uh, unexpected win against the Buccaneers uh, last Thursday. And now we are staring at uh, the Carolina Panthers, but we're going to go a little bit deeper and talk about some of the rest of the season as well. Yeah, when we talked about this in terms of we had a
1: little bit of a mini buy, right? The, the, the Bears played on a Thursday, so they got that 10 days to kind of prep for their next game. And we had already done the recap, which is normally what we do on the show. And we thought, all right, you know what? We're five weeks in. We've got another five games until the full buy comes up. And so really well timed for that. So why don't we just take a quick recap of the five games and then look ahead at the next five games and kind of talk about them in the sense of like, What are we really feeling about those games? And so I looked into what ESPN has as their predictions for where they have the Bears making the playoffs. And honestly, surprisingly small to me for a 4-1 team, they predict the Bears have a 55% chance of making the playoffs. And so their models aren't very kind to the Bears. And part of that is the schedule that's coming up against teams that are pretty good that we expected to be good and a couple teams that are better than what we expected and so we're going to go through that at least in the the near term here but let's talk about the five games that have already happened and why we are seeing a lot of national you know skepticism i think would be a very nice way to put it (laughs) about the bears and so here's here's what has happened thus far The Bears had a big comeback win against the Lions. The Lions are currently sitting at 1-3. They held on for a close win against the Giants. They came out to a big lead in the first half and then made that stand in the second half, but they had to do it in the last possession on defense where the Giants had an opportunity to win that game late. The Giants are 0-5. The Bears came back from a big deficit against the Falcons. The Falcons have fired their coach. They are 0-5. They got absolutely manhandled by the Colts. I know it was eight points at the end of the game, but that game was not particularly close. Colts are three and two. They're a good team, uh, but they they really did manhandle the Bears. And, but the Colts are not like a dominating team quite yet, right? They're not five and zero oh or anything like that. And then uh, the Bears were able to to uh, grind out a close victory against the Bucks uh, on a short week bucks are three and two i think we both believe that the bucks are a pretty good team they're a pretty complete and balanced team i think that was a nice victory went back and watched it again after we did our show i had the had the friday off which was a good call since i stayed up pretty late talking to you i think i got to bed about one o'clock in the morning and and so i had friday off and and I, i watched that on my day off and i thought you know what it was just a classic Bears kind of grinded out win uh, with good defense and, and making enough plays there and so I think that that's a good victory and I think that is kind of giving momentum to the Bears if you want to make the case for the Bears being a good team you start with them beating a good team in the Bucks and building on those strengths of what that offense has uh, and then the one thing I'll uh, last thing I'll mention before I let you kind of talk about the first five weeks is that the four and one bears have a point differential of plus five a four and one team generally has a point differential probably somewhere around plus 30 plus 40 or something like that so this is this is a team that has obviously eked out some close wins and that is why I think you're feeling a lot of the hate if you will or the skepticism from the national media or from other teams that they, ah, the bears aren't real but that doesn't mean that the Bears can't build to being real and we are going to get a very real opportunity to see them in action here against some good ball clubs so what's your kind of full thoughts on the first five weeks
2: yeah i don't disagree with anything you said about the fact that the bears are who they are to be all denny green about it um but they have won. We knew that their schedule was a little bit soft on paper, and that's always a projection coming into a year, especially this year with very little offseason and no preseason. It's a little bit tougher to get a gauge on who teams really were or what they were going to be able to do. And the Bears have come up with victories, and an, you know, quote-unquote ugly 4-1, which is exactly how I would characterize their start, is still 4-1. They have made a significant shift at quarterback. They made some plays, and the victory against Tampa Bay, although it was razor-thin one point, and the game really bore that out, The Bears needed to play as well as they did on defense and make just enough plays, as you said, on offense, and they did do that. But again, Tampa Bay was looking like a team. The defenses looked good all year. The offense was really starting to hit its stride, and I felt like the Bears were kind of going to walk into a chainsaw that had just been tuned up. I did not have high hopes for that game. And they come away with a victory. Now, you can look at that two ways. One is uh, they got lucky that they got in Tom Brady's face early and often because it's the one thing that makes him look human. Or you can say good teams find a way to win and the Bears are, if nothing else, quote unquote, learning how to win. They're figuring it out. It is not pretty and they're not blowing teams away, that's for sure. But they are also not losing. Bad teams find a way to lose. And I will point to the Falcons, one of the Bears' early opponents, right? That they have found several ways to lose games this year. There are about three games that they were in right at the end, and then they chucked them away in historic fashion. That's the sign of a team that doesn't know how to win. The Bears, on the other hand, have done the other thing and are sitting at 4-1. and one. So while they are not solid or juggernauts or anything else, they're riding a very good defense. An offense that's, I'd love to say, figuring it out. I hope that's true. We're going to see against, like you said, some very good teams coming up if the offense is, quote-unquote, for real. But we know the defense is for real, and they've ridden that defense to that 4-1 and mark. If the offense can start to pull more of its weight, it's going to be a very interesting next five games.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about those five games. And here's how I want to do this. Maybe this is a little silly, but I want us to put – the games into one of five bins and i've labeled the bins the first one is gotta have it like just if you're gonna be a playoff team this is a game that you, you gotta have it uh the second bin is this is a likely win i feel good that the bears are the better team the third bin is 50 50 i don't know flip a coin like we can't we can't necessarily figure this one out the fourth bin so you're saying there's a chance like bears probably are going to be the underdog but you can kind of see a path to victory if they play well the last bin is forget about it this is not a game that the bears are probably going to have a chance in so let's put these games in one of these five bins and see where we're at at the end of this so
2: all right just to test out that just to test out that rating system get get our get our legs under us with this rating system. How would you have rated out of out of those bins the Tampa Bay game going in?
1: I actually kind of felt okay about that game. I would have I would have put it in a
2: 50-50. Oh. Okay, so you're more optimistic than me. I would have been like yeah, at at best so you're th- saying there's a chance. It wasn't a forget about it game. It wasn't like again the Bucks were coming in and just rolling. But I think I would have been a tick lower. Okay, I think we've calibrated. We, we have our ratings buckets dialed in.
1: Now, the uh, game against the Giants, gotta have it.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. I think we're aligned on that one, that the Giants are, are not a good football team this year. They are not one of those teams that switched coaches and is lighting it up um, a la Green Bay last year. Matt Fleur coming in, a lot of us thought, oh, it's going to take a while for them to gel. They jumped out to a hot start and rolled to a very good finish. Not very typical under a first-year head coach, um, but possibly apt because Carolina, the first game we're going to talk about, has a new head coach this year, Matt Rule. He's had typically slow starts at his previous two stops in college, and they seem to be coming together, at least in my eyes, a little bit more quickly than uh, a lot of folks, including myself, gave them credit for. Uh, They're going to be, they look to be one of those teams that, again, it's not a juggernaut, but they're going to be a tough out. They're not going to be an easy rollover uh, a la the Giants.
1: Yeah, so the the Panthers are pretty interesting to kind of talk about because you think about it, there's some Bears ties here, right? So Obviously they fired Ron Rivera, you know, former Chicago Bear in the eighty five team, and they replace him with with Rule, like you talked about. I think a very interesting hire he brings on Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator who had one year at LSU had a couple years under Sean Payton with the, with the saints, but this guy was born in 1989. Looked it up today. Yeah. So he's, <laughs> he's like 32 year old coordinator oh, and he's already getting, you know, chatter as kind of the next, the next hot coordinator candidate to be a head coach, even though he's only in his first year. And that's how, well-respected he is for what he's done with this offense and this offense is pretty interesting they they go out they win the bidding war or whatever it was for Teddy Bridgewater against the Bears the Bears were in on Bridgewater they offered the contract they were kind of in the final two Bridgewater chose to go play in Carolina they signed Robbie Anderson away from whatever death knell <laughs> that, uh, that Adam Gase has put on those those New York Jets. Uh, he escaped New York and he, he comes uh, into Carolina and he has looked every bit of the wide receiver one in the early going. They've got um, they've got a really nice player in uh, uh, DJ Moore as a wide receiver, 2 They've got Curtis Samuel, who Samuel who now slides into wide receiver three. Christian McCaffrey. We haven't even mentioned Christian McCaffrey, who won't be playing in this game because he's still recovering from a high ankle sprain. But he was, what, offensive player of the year last year, or, or darn, darn close if he didn't win that award. And so you've got a lot of very interesting weapons and a creative young play caller, and then... I know that you probably remember this, but the the Panthers used all seven of their twenty twenty draft picks on defense. Yeah. And so they have a very young and upcoming defense.
2: Yeah, they loaded up. You're you're not wrong, and they had a lot of weapons. The the offense, as you said, is really interesting, and a lot of people think of Bridgewater and they think dink and dunk. Um And they think, you know, just a guy that gets by. And the bottom line is, if you look at how Teddy's playing this year, uh, both you and I are Teddy Bridgewater fans. But if you look at how he's playing, it's not dink and dunk. His completion percentage is very high. It's 70 plus. It's almost, I think it's 74. Uh, That's a very good completion rate. But most people think, okay, dink and dunk, you're talking about six and a half, maybe seven yards per attempt. He's averaging over eight. And a lot of that's run after catch with guys like Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, but some of it's not. He's going down the field and doing it successfully. So that's really interesting because it stacks up against the Bears, who are allowing the lowest completion percentage to opposing passers at 57, just over 57%. And only 6.4 yards an attempt, which is well below that sort of dink and dunk mark. So this is kind of the something's got to give matchup. Is is that Joe Brady offense, triggered by Bridgewater, has looked really good? But the Bears are a legitimate defense against the pass. Their corners have been playing extremely well. Their pass rush came alive against Tampa Bay. So what's going to give? Is Tampa Bay going to, or is is Carolina going to hold, or are the Bears going to roll over them? So that's a really interesting matchup. Mike Davis, former Bear, former Seahawk, has taken over for CMC, and he's looking strong, powerful, and and the thing I think was missing in, in Chicago, explosive this year, mm-hmm. and he's also versatile. He's the second leading receiver on Carolina, so he's been heavily featured since taking over for Christian McCaffrey after that injury, and Richard Sherman, uh, of all people, made the point this week that Carolina without CMC is less predictable and more well-rounded. And I find it tough to argue with him on that point because we are seeing all these guys getting involved in the offense somewhat equally. Robbie Anderson more heavily featured in the past game, but DJ Moore had a very long reception down the sideline for a touchdown last week. These guys are getting into the act and Mike Davis is looking great. And the one other guy that I'll make a Joe Brady tie to is Curtis Samuel, who you mentioned as wide receiver three, but he didn't really show signs of life. I was excited about him when he got drafted, but he's got almost as many rushes, 16, as he does catches, which is 19. And I think it's because Joe Brady coming recently from college understands him a lot better than the last staff and has started to kind of tap into that dual threat dynamism, which is really what he is or what he was coming out, right? He had ability on both sides as just a quote-unquote playmaker. Uh, The old regime didn't really seem to latch on to that. They wanted to force him more into the wide receiver role. Brady's found a way to sort of light him up and be that dynamic spark player beneath all those other guys that's a bit of a wild card. So the offense is a ton of fun to watch.
1: Yeah, they're interesting because Robbie uh, Anderson. I think he's a more complete receiver than I think a lot of people gave him credit for. He's, I think he looks really good in this offense. And getting away from Adam Gase and the Jets has has been a positive, which it is for, I, I pretty much everybody lately. So, so that's good for him. But he is able to stretch the defense vertically, whereas you have a guy like DJ Moore who's good at the space underneath and he's able to kind of stretch horizontally. So this will be a real challenge for the Bears secondary, which has played incredibly well up to this point, but this is a team that's going to stretch the field in both ways. And so I'm really excited to see how they react to that because it's, I I think this the secondary has been a lot of fun to watch so far. And so that anytime you get a new challenge, a different challenge, I think that's going to be a lot of fun uh, to see if they can combat that. I want to – let's flip to the other side of the ball, though. You've got Nick Foles, who, you know, is now going to be going into um, a start with a full week-plus of prep, and he's going to have I, – I don't know. It felt like we were starting to see some elements there. There was some really nice checks at the line. He was, he was playing that, uh, you know, above-the-shoulders game quite well uh, against the Bucks and made it made a few adjustments here. And this is a defense that's not in the same league as the Bucs. The Bucs were playing incredibly uh, good football. They were you know, top two in DVOA. And now you've got a team that's you know, not, not there. They're not terrible, but they're not there. And so what are you seeing out of the Panthers' defense? And what do you think
2: can be exploited uh, now that Nick Foles is starting to get his sea legs? it's funny that the piece I think can be exploited in the Panthers defense is not necessarily the piece that Nick Foles brings he's not a runner and the, the Panthers have struggled a lot with their run defense and that may sound familiar to Bears fans who looked at the defense in the first couple of weeks and really saw some gaping holes in run fits especially in the middle Danny Trevathan was not playing well during those first couple of weeks and teams were really doing what they wanted to in the middle of the field with the run the bucks are able to do that as well Ronald Jones over a hundred yards over six yards a carry but I think they did a better job on run fit in general and they're starting to look better Trevathan has looked better Bilal Nichols has looked better uh Manning that middle Jenkins is returning so I think there's some hope for the Bears there to bottle up the run a little bit better, but the Panthers have struggled against the run and David Montgomery's very good. The wild card is James Daniels goes down. So you lose offensive line continuity. Who comes in and how well do they play and how quickly does that line gel with its new fifth member? Montgomery I'm not worried about. The line looked great for the first two weeks and then has been sort of yeah work in progress since then, even with Daniels. So I'm not exactly sure what we're getting out of the offensive line, but I think the place to exploit Carolina's defense is really against the run game because they have some explosive pass rushers on the outside who are winning in terms of pressure rates at some of the best rates in the league, Iter Gross Matos. Uh, on one side, as a rookie, is is getting a, a win every like five rushes, which is incredibly low. Now he's only playing about twenty five snaps a game, but Brian Burns on the other side had a very good second half of last year, looking explosive. And if those two guys start to hit, it's going to look great. Derek Brown's controlling the middle, another highly drafted rookie for Carolina, who's very very talented out of Auburn. So. But they haven't gelled yet against the run. Against the pass, they've played pretty effectively. So Nick might have his work cut out for him, but I don't think this is the week for the Bears to abandon the run despite their sort of offensive line reshuffling. I'd love to see Montgomery get cooking early and really carry that offense. Interesting.
1: I wonder if we are going to see a little bit of uh, Anthony Miller try to – pump up his confidence since we have seen a little bit of a lag lately and i'm wondering if it's opportunity for him to sort of work the underneath um he's you, you know you're, you're saying that they're pretty good against the the past but I, I think that they might be susceptible in that underneath stuff so well
2: I'd they're gonna sure to double see, robinson interested to see yeah absolutely they they're, yes, they're gonna absolutely. double robinson because robinson has been nick Foles' favorite target far and away in terms of target production you can say what you want about jimmy graham he's been great in the red zone but between the 20s he really hasn't pulled anything so you're gonna see two defenders moving towards robinson that's for sure he'll still have production but it does open up the underneath for mooney and miller to really run those crossers and see if people can keep with them so it's going to be a fascinating chess match
1: yeah absolutely so when you're thinking about this game now You know, Before the season, I would have put this in a very different bin, but the Panthers have been competitive and they've won some games. They've rattled off three in a row. What bin
2: would you put this in? I'm going to put it in 50-50, and that's as much the Panthers rising as it is uncertainty about the offensive line and whether those elements that you absolutely pointed out earlier that started to look like they were clicking with foals If there can be any consistency to those, and they can happen a little bit earlier. Because he had a pretty cold start against the Bucs. A very cold start, actually. Heated up in the end, and that really seems to be Nick Foles. I don't know. Did you ever follow basketball? Because I made a basketball analogy about Nick Foles. Nothing past uh, Michael Jordan. Well, right. But this is actually back in the Jordan era against a Jordan opponent, right? The Detroit Pistons. And they had Vinnie Johnson, whose nickname was The Microwave. And he was the sixth man off the bench. And Vinnie Johnson was one of the streakiest players I've ever seen. But when he was hot and he could heat up very quickly, hence the microwave nickname, he was unstoppable. And Nick Foles feels to me like a little bit like Vinny Johnson in the fact that he heats up and when he heats up you can almost feel it. He starts to get in a rhythm, he's very streaky, he starts to make those completions, he starts to go down the field, he starts to throw up the 50-50 balls that get caught and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, oh, this is the point at which Nick is getting hot." And if that can happen a little bit sooner and put some points on the board and let the Bears pass rush sort of flourish with a lead, it's a very different game. If he starts off cold, against a defense that has some pass rushing threats that hasn't necessarily put it together, I think we're going to see that sort of middling game. So this is Carolina coming up and uncertainty about the Bears sort of leveling it out and me calling it 50-50 at the moment
1: yep no i i'm i'm with you i i would have put it in a likely win even maybe a gotta have it game because i did think that they were going to kind of they were using bridgewater as a bridge I, yeah you know i, I get the i get that pun but um they're not they, they look legitimate and they look like they might have something and so we'll see if this really good bears defense can actually shut them down or if this panthers team is for real so let's move on to the rams This is one of my big misses from preseason. I bet the Rams under, uh, put some American dollars on the, the Rams not winning eight and a half games. I went under that bet. And my thinking was that, you know, they really were exposed late in the Super Bowl. They had the Super Bowl hangover and all that kind of stuff. And they honestly just didn't look very good last year but they have retooled and reimagined what they are and sean mcveigh is showing that he isn't a one-trick pony that he's you know he is a good offensive mind and he can recreate with the weapons he has and they have looked good and obviously aaron donald looks like probably going to win defensive player of the year again or at least he's going to be in like the top two or three of voting he looks amazing and he's anchoring a defense that looks pretty good The rams are off to a four-on-one start they're in a good division they've got you know, the pesky Cardinals to deal with. They've got the 49ers look down uh, this year, and maybe they're down and out, but they've got the Seahawks who look really good. So I'd rather play the Rams than the Seahawks, but Rams are pretty good. And this team worries me a little bit. What have you seen from the Rams so far?
2: You're right about McVay not being a one-trick pony. I don't think you were wrong to make the bet, but what we have learned in this short, early season about Sean McVay is that he is very good at self-scouting. He started early and hard and said, what knocked me out of the race I wanted to be in? And what do I need to do to avoid that? There was a lot of talk last year that Jared Goff was no more than a, you know, video game avatar to Sean McVay's controller. And if you could change it up after McVay's mic went off that you could beat Jared Goff I'm not hearing any of that this year. Uh, he has found a way to rebalance that offense to use the tight end more. Tyler Higbee had a huge game a couple of weeks ago, three touchdowns. Jared Goff has looked efficient, and they have given every you know, every team they've been in a game with this year all they could handle. I would say they're a more legitimate 4-1, and one. and that defense is – we had some question marks about it, and they lost some talent in the offseason the bottom line is that defensive line is powering that defense and it's covering up their shortcomings and that's a challenge for a bears offensive line that again started off very hot especially in run blocking in the first two games but has kind of cooled off and and the yards per carry have come down now they have an injury some adversity to deal with in replacing james daniels uh yeah i'm not so sure that the the strength of the rams defense doesn't really push on the softest spot on the bears offense and that's always a rough place to be you're never gonna fully contain a guy like donald but they've got brockers leonard floyd has the possibility for a revenge game like there's a lot of pieces there that really worry me about now the bears being unable to find any offensive rhythm and i don't worry so much about that with the rams look the bears defense is is not an easy out but mcveigh's been creative and he's used all his weapons if he was just focusing on robert woods and cooper cup i'd be like well that's a great matchup for kyle fuller and jalen johnson but darrell henderson's looked explosive higby i mentioned um they're throwing all kinds of fun motion in there and it's going to be a real challenge for a good Bears defense to keep up with that Rams team in general.
1: And this is definitely a defense that can take away, to some extent, I don't think you can take away a wide receiver necessarily, but you can certainly minimize Allen Robinson's impact with Jalen Ramsey, and it was a very good corner. So uh, where are you putting this one? What bin are you putting this game
2: into? I'm going to go with so you're saying there's a chance because until I see the Bears' offense gel against a pretty good defense in Carolina, not a great defense by any stretch, I'm not going to feel like they've got a chance against a Rams defensive unit that is, quite frankly, feasting on quarterbacks right now.
1: Yeah, this is the game. This game worries me more than, again, more than I would have thought at the beginning of the year, but. I don't think it's a a forget-about-a-game. I don't think this is a game that can't be won um, because I I do think that the Bears' defense is capable of of making a game against an offense like this. And so I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with uh, so you're saying there's a chance.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is
1: let's move on to the game that honestly at the beginning of the year I would have put in the forget about a category and I am no longer putting it in the forget about a category this is the game against the Saints the Saints are three and two they could very easily be two and three they could very easily be one and four the Saints have not been a complete team they've had a couple of nice comebacks which is great I think we know what that is um, but they have shown that they definitely have some weaknesses on that team. They've invested money into Taysom Hill, and the Taysom Hill project does not look like a very successful project so far. I've seen it live. I've seen it live two or three times. I've seen the Saints <laughs> play live with Taysom Hill, and every time he's on the field, I turn to, I have turned to people in the stadium, including in the Super Bowl, and I'm go, "What is this? Why does this? Why is this a thing?" And no one can tell me. No one can answer why the Taysom Hill experience is happening. You know and what so... I heard
2: this week? You know what I heard that <laughs> what you explained got? it probably more fully than uh, anything you've got, which is all I'd gotten previous. I heard Sean Payton's ego personified.
1: I I think it's true. I had made the tweet uh, you know, months. I probably last year. I showed Sean Payton's stats as a spare bear in the '87 strike season, where he was a spare bear, and he basically had the same stats as Taysom
2: Hill. <laughs> yeah, so there is this I think thing just about. Sees... Yeah, there's a thing about coaches who were uh, not quite their quarterbacks, and you could say the same thing about Matt Nagy who who believe that they can take a guy and, and, you know, bring his abilities that are close to their abilities to the forefront, right? If I just had a chance, I could have, right? It's that projection. I think Sean Payton saw the trend of mobility at quarterback. He knew he didn't have that element in Drew Brees, and he thought, man, what I could do with Lamar Jackson, right? You give me Lamar Jackson's talents, and I can do a lot of stuff. And he saw Taysom Hill and he went, you know, I I think that's the ticket. And the bottom line is this year it hasn't been.
1: So they've I, they've looked uneven. I think that they haven't looked very good on defense. They, they've definitely looked susceptible on defense, we'll put it that way. Uh, you know, Alvin Kamara is a great player. Um, he's really been what they've run their offense through. Emmanuel Sanders has not been much of a stand in for Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is coming off an injury. I think he'll be back after their bye week this week. And so they'll probably be back up to what their normal strength is. But I think Drew Brees has really shown that, you know, in the last few years, by the end of the year, his arm has looked. You know, dead arm. Like he has just not been able to push down the field. Now he doesn't have to. He's very efficient in that intermediate and, and short game, and he's got a great running back that catches the ball in the backfield. So I mean, all that stuff is true. He doesn't have to push the ball down the field, but that's not a complete offense if your quarterback can't push the ball down the field and you have to bring in a guy like Taysom Hill to throw throw it deep every once in a while. Um, and so I I think that this offense while having, you know, some of the best talent in the league, is still against an elite what I hope is an elite defense in Chicago is one that can be neutralized to some extent. And so with the New Orleans defense not looking like the world beaters that I thought that they might be, um this game looks like it could be a 50-50 kind of game for Chicago. I think that they've got a legitimate as we sit here today, It looks like a legitimate chance for the Bears to win this game.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you. I would put it between 50-50 and so you're saying there's a chance. And it really depends on the Saints personnel. But again, if you had me bet on this game or or characterize this game after week one, I would have been like easy 50-50 or maybe likely win because Bree's arm looked cooked in week one. And that was a bad sign because typically that doesn't happen until late season. I didn't think he was gonna rebound from that. He has warmed up. I don't know if he was struggling with an injury or he was just tired or whatever happened in week one, but the next few weeks he has heated up and started to look like the early season Drew Brees of old. In those first few weeks when they were reeling off wins, it was purely Alvin Kamara. Like he was everything in their office, especially with Mike Thomas out. Um, turns out Mike Thomas isn't just recovering from injury, he was also suspended cuz he got in Ooh, a fight. Wow. And that's really interesting. The comments coming out of the Saints camp were no uh, not clearly indicating how soon he will return from that little thing, and there is some fatigue within the Saints organization in dealing with Michael Thomas on a bunch of issues that aren't on-field issues, they're off-field issues. So he will be back. I think he'll probably be back for this game. And that brings a real balance to the Saints offense that they haven't had. Sanders has been good, but not great. Thomas is obviously a huge producer and has a great connection with Breeze when he's in that offense. If they come in rolling that offensive package and Breeze arms holds, I'm I'm going so you're saying there's a chance. If any of those pieces are out, I'm going with 50-50.
1: Yep. Okay. That's fair. The next game, I... Oh, boy. You want to talk about what is the closest 2019 narrative for the Bears in 2020? I feel like if you're trying to paint the best picture possible, it's the Titans from 2019. That's because they... The Titans of 2019, they rolled out Marcus Mariota to start the year. They acquired uh, Ryan Tannehill in a trade and... You know they started off their year not not very good, and they figured out okay, Mariota's not the guy, and they brought in Tannehill, and Tannehill made that offense work, and they just had they just won ugly, but they won games, and so the hook was applied quite early to Mitchell Trubisky, much much earlier than it was to to, to Mariota, and what is interesting, though, is that the Bears were winning those games, not losing them, which is what happened (laughs) to the the Titans last year. And so the Bears are able to start off on a little bit better foot. Uh, But what you've seen out of the Titans is that they've backed it up this year by showing that like, no, 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 this is a good football team. And this is a team that will play for their head coach, that is, is willing to stick together through adversity. They're mentally tough, you know all that stuff kind of sounds like Matt Nagy kind of sounds like the bears like this to me is kind of an interesting parallel and so I'm I'm interested in this game because I find the Titans fascinating I took the over on my on my bets um, in the in the preseason that looks like a brilliant play right now I took the Titans to win the division again that's looking pretty good Um, I, I just like this team I like how it's built and, and I think that there are a little bit of parallels. Obviously, the, the Bears don't run the ball nearly as well as the Titans do. But how do you think that the Bears match up against this Titans team as it stands right now?
2: Not well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not well is the answer. And, uh, you know, the Titans situation has been interesting. They brought it upon themselves by having unauthorized workouts and, and introducing a large COVID outbreak to not sure. only their players but their staff. So I have a little trouble with the way their circumstances are being characterized as adversity. I'm like, yeah, it's definitely an adverse situation,
1: but you made it. Self-imposed adversity.
2: Yeah. And Taylor Luan had some pretty tone deaf comments coming off the field the other night. But besides all that, they took on a Bills team on Tuesday that was clearly one of the NFL's best teams and had been giving opponents – a ton of trouble reeled off a bunch of wins and yes the bills sputtered but the titans also crushed them like they didn't just compete they ran them off the field like they smashed them it was not a close game and that was a bit of a shocking result to folks around the league certainly me who was looking at the bills as a very good competition And the Titans basically kind of brushed them off their shoulder and kept rolling to the tune of 40 plus to 16 or whatever it was. Um, The Titans are looking like a very solid team right now. And yes, there are circumstances that you profiled, I think, do match up with the Bears with one major difference, which is if you said right up (laughs) straight up right now, would you take Ryan Tannehill for Nick Foles? seven eight days a week and twice on sunday because ryan tannehill is playing at a near elite level he's right underneath that top tier he's throwing an incredibly pretty deep ball i think it was brad kelly on twitter this week that said ryan tannehill woke up one day snapped his fingers and decided he was going to be an elite quarterback and he's right because even we can say that Gase was a curse but two of his i think two of his three best seasons in miami we're under Gase. Like he did the best, and he's perf- those seasons were nowhere near where he is now in lots of statistical categories. Like Ryan Tannehill just woke up one day and went, "I'm gonna be better, like a lot better," and he has been, and consistently. Like you said, he carried it over from last year to this year. Last year it was kind of like, "Oh, what a comeback player of the year," and this year it's like, "Holy cow, he's he's really playing his way solidly into the top ten in quarterbacks in the NFL." And, of course, their rushing game is very strong. Their offensive line is, is built in that sort of New England mode of we're going to mash people. And Mike Vrabel likes to run it down people's throat, and Derrick Henry's very good at that. So that part of their game is well-established. But Tannehill being able to throw daggers deep is a real problem. And the rest of the team rallying around that and really smushing out good talent that they face should be a wake-up call for the rest of the league this is this is one of those games that i'm gonna put in so you're saying there's a chance and it's really that the titans have some disruption that is previously unseen uh and the bears play very very well kind of the same setup with tampa bay right they need to play very very well to even have a chance to win this game
1: well, I think the path to victory that you can try to orchestrate on paper is that the Bears defense um, is is much better than the Titans defense. And so you you hope that the Bears defense can hold that efficient Titans uh, offense to a reasonable number of points. And the Bears offense gets gets lucky and, or you know, or, you know, continues to ascend upward and, and play well. I think it's it's really tempting for me to just say forget about it because I've kind of been on the Titans for a while. This has kind of been the the team that I've been like, I really like this is, is the, kind of the AFC spoiler team. Uh, you know, I've been saying that since August and all my betting stuff and all my columns and stuff has been like, eh, I really like the Titans. People are sleep, sleeping on these guys. So it's really hard for me to not say just kind of like, eh, don't don't think this game is really that achievable, but we'll say you're saying there's a chance because you know i i certainly i'm being i'm being
2: hopeful uh if yes, they yes. hadn't just taken a buffalo squad that was very dynamic offensively obviously josh allen is the most improved quarterback in the nfl playing at an extremely high level they have a great running game they have Stephon diggs and john brown and cole beasley and, and they've been using all those guys they've been finding lots of ways to win and score points and they go in to the titans and just lay an egg like they just the wheels came off and i could say that's again buffalo not rising to the challenge but the titans defense deserve some credit for taking an offense that's been way dynamic and basically putting their thumb on their head and saying not today absolutely so uh let's move on uh to a game
1: that has a little bit better prospects and that is look week 10 And we are talking about the second divisional game. The Vikings, who are 1-4 and right now, they look like trash. They're probably going to be 2-4 and after this weekend if they play their game because they're playing the Falcons, who look like they're just absolutely lost in the wilderness. But Vikings have not looked like a very good team. They just don't look complete. Justin Jefferson is their rookie wide receiver who's starting to emerge as a legitimate weapon. Looks like he could be that replacement for Stephon Diggs. Thielen is producing at a high rate. Cook is banged up, but they've got Alexander Madison right behind him. Like they've got weapons, but Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. He's got a ceiling. He needs a positive game script, and that defense is not giving the Vikings a positive game script. So that means that Kirk Cousins has to try to come from behind, which is something that he is not well equipped to do. And against the Bears defense, if he has to try to come from behind against the Bears defense, this is a team that has feasted on Kirk Cousins and will continue to do so in my mind. If the Bears want to be a playoff team, this game is in the gotta-have-it bucket. This is a opponent that Matt Nagy has not had any issues with. He has, he has handled the Vikings quite well, and this is a team that looks like they are down this year. They absolutely have to win this game, and I think this is a game that they should win because they are the better football team.
2: Don't disagree on any point. I'm going to put it squarely and got to have it because the Vikings, if the bears are pretenders, the Vikings are really sort of the same thing, window dressing. And again, their offense can explode. They had the game earlier in the season where they went toe to toe with one of the best offenses in the league, took them right to the wire. Justin Jefferson, let's just be honest. I'm really bummed. He's in the vision. He's going to be, extremely good this is not a flash in the pan folks this is what we saw coming out of college we knew he would get there we hoped he wouldn't get there this soon or hoped he would get there this soon depends on whether you're a vikings fan he's there he's gonna stay there he is easily a replacement for Diggs. Thielen's very consistent cousins has had many cousins games up and down they've got irv smith they have dalvin cook like you said they've got madison behind him but that's kind of where it ends, and, and Zimmer is a defensive coach, and the defense has typically been a fairly highly rated unit. I saw a graph that actually graphed out positive win rate for uh, against the run and against the pass, and the Vikings are a little bit below average on run, but they are literally the lowest team in the league on pass rush win rate. And that is not a place that they are familiar with. So they're generating basically zero pass rush or or negative pass rush, if that's even the case. That's a place where a guy like Nick Foles, when you give him a little bit of time, he's dangerous. He's going to find some shots. The defense is not holding up. And the offense is going to have a tough day against a very solid Chicago defense. So I feel like, again, divisional game, that team is not playing up to expectations, which is not, not terribly a surprise, but a little bit surprising, especially in the sort of pass rush win rate. It's got to be a gotta have it if you're going to compete. So
1: let's say we get to the Bears by week. It's week 11. What record do you think that they need to be at to be a legitimate playoff contender? They're 4-1 and one now. We're talking about five more games. What record do you think, like, all right, yeah, I think that they're going to still be a playoff team when we're sitting here talking in a few weeks on the bye week in Week 11? I think if
2: they win three out of these five games, that that's a very strong consideration. If they only win two, it's going to be very hard for them, like, especially with a bunch of games against a couple of games against the Packers. That's not going to be great. Um, you got to look at who remains after the bye week. They've got to polish off three of these. Uh, three of the next four is tough. Three of the next four would be great, right? Uh, well, if, yeah, because because
1: yeah. then because then you beat the Vikings and it's four out of five. I, you yeah. know what? I think they have to win too, Obviously, they have to win too. If if they go five and five going into the bye week, I think this no. it's over. Even with the expanded playoff format, I think it's over. Yeah. Now, if they're six and four, they've got they they basically have given away all of their margin for error. But they're going to have to beat they're going to have to beat the Vikings again. They're going to have to beat the Lions again, and they're going to have to beat the Jaguars. That that's basically what it comes down to. Now, if they are able to win three games like you're talking about, I I think they're set. If they they go into the 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 bye week at seven and three, I mean this team is this team is going to be a playoff team. We'll see about the division. I think the Packers are really good, and I hate to say that. That actually made me want to vomit in my mouth a little bit, but. <laughs> But they are really good. Aaron Rodgers is playing incredibly well. They're crushing right now. Yeah. Unless there's an injury to Aaron Rodgers, uh, I I just it just is what it is. Like, and all you really need to do in this weird year is just get into the playoffs. You know, in poker, that's a I need a chip and a chair, right? That's what you need. Just get in and just try to beat the team that's in front of you. And so we're just trying to look at this from the perspective of you know, what do they need to? What do they really need to do? to be able to get into the playoffs. So I think they got to win two out of these next five to just continue that conversation. If they're able to win three out of the next five, they're, they're going to be sitting pretty. And so that's kind of the mentality that I think that we all need to kind of adopt over the next five weeks, because I, again, I don't think the bears fan base is represented completely on bears, Twitter, but Bears Twitter melts down over the weirdest things. And it seems like Bears Twitter is melting down after a four-and-one start because there's no style points. And it's like, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Four and one still counts as four and one, regardless of, of how you how you do it. And if you're betting on this team, you're betting on this offense to improve as Nick Foles again gets his sea legs underneath him. And so you know, if you're if you're trying to make the case for this Bears team, I think you're you're looking for at least two wins in these next five games. But in, if they get three, you're feeling really good.
2: Yeah, I think three is the number because I think let's say they take the Panthers. They play well and they take the Panthers. The bounces go their way. Maybe they win ugly again. Maybe they don't. Maybe they actually start to establish a little bit more rhythm on offense. But let's just say they take the Panthers then really you're looking to split with the Rams and the Saints. you got to win one of those games. And if they take a victory out of Rams or Saints, I'm not going to say they're going to take both because it's probably unlikely. But let's say they take one out of that. Let's say the Titans is a lost cause and the Titans are still sort of juggernautting along. They lose, play well, but lose. And then you got to have it against the Vikings, we agree. That's a three win out of the next five game stretch. And I'm like you, if you stack three on top of the four they've got, they're sitting at seven. The game's against the Packers, somewhat unlikely. I would say the game's against the the remaining game against the Lions, pretty darn likely. Jacksonville's been up and down. I think you can take that team if you play well. You're starting to look at a picture that is a path to the playoffs.
1: Yeah, the one team we haven't mentioned that they play is the Texans, who obviously have not shown out very well this year. Uh it's a game that I'm you know, again, we're looking way ahead right now. But that's a game that I'm probably like, eh, that's, that's probably a likely win, but it's not quite the gotta have it like it is against the division rivals not wearing green and puke uh yellow <laughs> and um <laughs> and the and, and then of course, you know, the, the Jaguars, which is a game that I, I think I think the Jaguars want to lose this year. That's that's what they told us at the beginning of the year with the moves that they made is that uh, we don't want to be very good. And, and they're better than that because Gardner Minshew is making them better than that, but there's still a team that has a lot of holes and is incomplete, So that's a game that's going to have to be a I gotta have it, but there's a path here, guys. Like I've never seen a fan base melt down over four and one before, but leave it up to bears fans. They have done it. And it's, it's just interesting you know we've been doing this this is our second year but we've been bears fans for a really long time and we've both been on twitter for you know probably too long and we've been (laughs) writing about football for a long time and i just i don't know that i've ever been in a situation where four and one made people so angry but i understand they're not convincing wins but just stick with this team see what happens in the next five weeks and then we can kind of revisit this at the bye week and kind of evaluate. All right, where are we at?
2: Yeah, they've found a way. And I like teams that find a way. And I understand Bears fans that are quote unquote not convinced or they're upset. Like we have our grievances against this team for sure in terms of how they were built and what they paid to do it and how they're looking after this year. Those are all things. But that's regardless, right? It's, it's not connected. To the record of course it is but really the record is the record because that's the reason they play the games on grass not paper right we keep saying if we'd lined this up before this year or you know in preseason we would have said but the bottom line is we're through five weeks the ink is dry it's four and one they're not giving any of those wins back (laughs) there's not a committee that's going to come along and say well that wasn't pretty enough we're gonna we're gonna switch that from a win to a loss. They're sitting at 4-1, and one. and just let them be at 4-1. and one. Hope that the offense gels a little bit and can show some consistency because Foles has obviously shown the ability to make the big play. He's got more explosive plays than Trubisky and in, in generally less snaps overall. And hope that they can start to put teams on the ropes with some points earlier on because if they do, this defense is going to look even better than it does, and it looks pretty darn good right now so those are the hopeful points right look for those if you're a bears fan that's looking for a glass half fuller wants to enjoy their season trust me if you want to not enjoy your season and complain about it there are lots of avenues for you to explore on this bears team right they are imperfect they are not pretty i get it if that's your thing go off have a day it's okay there's no right way to be a fan But if you're looking for reasons for hope, look for the offense to score a few more points earlier on and start to put some pressure on teams early in games. And I think we've seen the at least the glimmers of ability of Nick Foles to do that. If that happens, this is going to be a very interesting season because it's highly unpredictable. COVID, roster changes, schedule changes, everything else. We don't know what's going to happen. And that makes it fun to watch if you have sort of that outlook towards it uh if you don't that's your choice but the team's got some reasons for hope the next five weeks will go a long way in determining whether or not those are real or fool's gold that's fine let it play out we've got these games up until the bye let's kind of talk again then and figure out what this team really is and whether or not uh in your words jb they have a chip and a chair
1: perfect well let's talk about this beer because I got to tell you, I thought it was phenomenal.
2: It's pretty dark, fascinating. This is,
1: this is an interesting beer, a Saison beer, which I really like. I haven't had a lot of Saisons that I've been like, eh, not my thing. And they're fun because they're just so different. They play with the yeast and that really kind of, it's not... It's not very hoppy, so that is great. Uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not an IPA kind of uh, lane here, but Saison's are really interesting to me, and I, I want more of them, but there's just not a lot being made. I don't know if it's a style that just hasn't caught on as much. Um, it's, it's generally a little higher proof, and it's very interesting that you'd put a fruit in it, uh, you know, some fruit juice in it, and it's like you know, I really am liking the sours that are balanced with fruit juice or you know, with a little bit of salt in them or whatever, right? Those those sours are interesting to me. I haven't had a Saison that has had been balanced with fruit juice. And I gotta tell you, like super easy drinking, really flavorful, really fun. Like it I mean this it's a fantastic beer. It's a home run.
2: Yeah, it's an adventure for sure in terms of from opening the bottle until tasting it, until going through the rest of it. the uh, If you're not into adventurous drinking, I wouldn't try it because it is probably very different than almost anything you drink. I, I can't think of anything that's your regular that would be anything close to this. That doesn't mean it's bad, right? For those of us that actually like a sort of wide ranging palette of beers. This is, like you said, it's a very interesting beer. It's, uh, let's call it athletic drinking. It's, uh, there's a ton of nose <laughs> when you start, right? It's, the peach is there, you smell it. Um, and when you first taste it, that's what really sort of runs your palate is that big sort of peach. It, it's not overly sweet, but you get that strong fruit, uh, and you think, oh, this is going to be kind of overwhelmingly floral or sweet or anything else. And it very quickly mellows out to uh, almost a straight sour, like a ghost, mm-hmm. right? It's almost like a peach ghost. And so you start with peach and you end up with ghosts and a little bit of that bitter, sour flavor to really balance any of that sort of overwhelming, maybe sweetness or hint of sweetness that you had in the nose or the first little sip. So Again, it goes from one end to the other, but like you said, it goes down very easily with that balance. It's well-crafted. It's not overwhelming in either the front or the back. I I thought it was a ton of fun. Would I drink a ton of it? Probably not, but like you, I like Sours and Goses and 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 sort of alternative styles of beer. This one is really interesting. It's well-crafted. It's fun to drink. Can't thank Bob enough for sending it to us
1: unbelievable thank you so much bob i really appreciate this this is uh this is a winner i'm I'm happy that he sent it to us because i'm i'm in love it's a great beer this is the kind of thing that i would drink more of so and thank you for not sending me an ipa
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna get you next week i've got a i've got a pumpkin ipa that they're calling a mistake from stone brewing in in san diego great brewery And uh, they uh, embrace their errors. And so the literal name of the beer is We Made a Mistake. And (laughs) it's 9.4 or something by volume, which is the part that's, yeah, that's the part that's catching me for any kind of pumpkin, anything. But that'll be fun. I won't, I promise I won't make you drink it because I, you have a stated aversion to IPAs, Uh, but that'll be fun. We've got some fall beers to share with you. Uh, Any other projects you want to plug before we get ourselves out of here?
1: Oh, man. We're just trying to stay above water. (laughs) (laughs) For seasons in full, we're on the treadmill. We're trying to crank out articles for you on Windy City Gridiron. Of course, I'm writing over at the QB list, making picks. 15 and 10 this year, 60%. So, you know, I'm doing all right. I'm making you money if you're following me. So follow me there um, if you're interested in betting and, and, of course, all the stuff we do on Winnie City Gridiron, including I'm now a full-time member of this of uh, the Sunday live stream with Steven Schweikert. and bum, bum, bums, bums. That's, been, that's been a lot of fun. You guys should come and join us. That is a ton of fun, and you can ask questions. Uh, and we can watch Madden Simulations. It's a lot of fun
2: yeah that's your name and lights right there you and you and steven I and sam it. i know you're that's it you should call your mom uh no that is a ton of fun if you are bears fan you should check it out it's a great way to to burn a little time before the game and have some laughs ask some questions um get in with some windy city Gridiron locals as well so uh as always i'm cranking out bootleg football podcast with brett Colman. Uh, we're doing weekly at this point. We, we cracked the two-hour mark this week, which was a little bit of a stretch. Uh, but we've got some sicko fans, and they love it. Uh, so I guess we'll be doing more of that, he says tentatively. Uh, but it's going really well. So check that out if you're interested in coverage of the whole league. But yeah, should a Good Iron for sure. And keep it uh, tuned in here because we will have, again, results from the previous week's Bears game and preview of the next opponent. Uh, We've got another five weeks of football before the bye week. We'll probably take a break at that point, but tons of football to be played before then. And really, the sort of season hangs in the balance. Is this team for real, or are they pretenders like a lot of people are saying? We'll find out over the next five weeks. So keep it tuned and bear down.